Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. There's this verse in the Bible that says, do not grow weary in doing good, for in the proper time you will reap a harvest. And while you can hear a lot of theologians debate what those words mean exactly, I think maybe we just need to hear this episode from Adina to gain insight. The words of that verse played over and over again in my mind as I listened to Adina in today's episode. 13 years ago, Adina and her friend Scott started a website takethemameal.com. And they started it simply to help a mother of four who was in crisis with no marketing plan, no big dreams, and no desire to do anything but serve other people in situations just like their friends. The website has grown to employ a whole team to sustain 1.5 million visits a month and has facilitated hundreds of thousands of meals taken to families in crisis, grief, or transition every week. And as Adina shares the details of why they rejected advertising on their site, the years that she and Scott worked on a volunteer basis, choosing to see the site as a service, not a business, their highly empathetic hiring process, and their frequent sending of free meals to strangers, I think you'll remember, as I did, that maybe hustle and profitability aren't the highest callings out there. And maybe we can also learn from Adina to rethink and redefine and reconsider the harvest for which we hope. Oh, it's good to talk with you. Oh, it's so good to talk with you. I'm just thrilled to be talking with you because, I mean, you have personally helped me both as a meal recipient and as a meal giver so much with this Take Them a Meal service. So first, I just want to start by saying thank you very much. Well, when I read that you had needed meals when you were expecting and after, I thought, first of all, I was sorry that you needed them, but I also knew you would get it 100% because you've been there and you understand just those situations where it's really helpful and that we need to be there for each other. I never envisioned it would be what it is today, but I'm so grateful for it. Yes. Well, I'm so grateful for it also. So for a lot of people listening, they might not have heard of takethemameal.com. So why don't we start with you just telling people what the service is, what it does, and then I'd like to share personally how helpful it's been to me. Well, And to back up just a second, thank you so much for inviting me to be here today. And I really am grateful for the opportunity. I always loved thinking back over how we started. Mm. And even if it was just for one person, it would be worth it. But it's been really neat to see how it's been helpful to so many people. And so I enjoy getting to talk about it and also hearing other people's experiences. So so thank you for having me today. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you very, very much for coming on. And now I'm even more excited because it is amazing when you have just this little idea and then it turns into something so big and you look back and you think, I just had no idea. I think that's such an inspiring thing to know that every day that (laughs) we try something new, we never know what it might turn into. So I'm super excited to hear the story of it. Um, And truly necessity is the mother of invention. Like it wasn't like I set out to create 
this or a company. It was really meeting a really tangible need at the time. Right. We created the site, wow, 13 years ago now, when my dearest friend, we went to church together. Mm -hmm. She had already had four children. She had been out caroling and she had the onset of a heart condition suddenly that she didn't know that she had. And it was really scary time. And she wound up in the hospital for an extended period of time and she's doing well today. I'll give you the end of the story right now, but (laughs) it was really difficult and we weren't sure how things were going to go. And so when I checked in with her husband, he said, I could really use some meals. My parents are helping take care of the kids. I'm at the hospital as much as I can be. Could you coordinate the meals? Mm -hmm. I said, well, sure, I can do that. And two things about them that really made the site come to be are first, they are very well connected in our community. So Mm -hmm. not only did we go to church together and all of those people wanted to help their family, his parents live here and all their coworkers and friends wanted to help from another church. And then her parents live here and all of their coworkers and friends from their church wanted to help. Mm -hmm. So I was dealing with a lot of people and she was going to need help for an extended period of time. So I wanted to get her that and spread it out for her. Mm -hmm. And it's strange to think, but 13 years ago, it was still mostly using telephones to communicate, you know, leaving messages on answering machines, like, and then people would call back, but someone already was taking food that day. So anyway, I I needed to organize meals for her. And the other thing that was very complicated was the directions to their house. It just wasn't straightforward. And so as I was telling people over and over how to get there, I thought, oh, I just wish this could be written somewhere. And there were Google Maps, of course. Um, And so I had been working at a college and we had just started putting tests online for the students to take. And I Hmm. thought, huh, I wonder if there's a way I could just put this meal schedule online and people could see the dates and sign up for what they want instead of me coordinating with everybody. Yeah. And I thought, I think that could be done. And my friend, Scott Rogers attended church with us and I knew he was starting to create websites mostly for his personal business. But I thought, I wonder if that's something, if I told him what I needed, if he could do it. (laughs) And so I mentioned it to him and he said, yeah, I think I could do that for you. Mm-hmm. And so he sends me uh, probably about two to three weeks later, this link to this just very simple, it would look like you took a sign up sheet and put yeah. it on a computer. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what I wanted. I wanted it to be simple. I, I wanted older people, younger people. I didn't want it to be difficult. Um, right. And that elegant solution he came up with. And then the best decision that he made that allowed it to be what it is today is he thought, huh, I wonder if someone else in church might want to use this. I'll make it so you can enter the person's name and make your own calendar. Right. And so that's kind of how it started. But basically what it is, is you go to takethemameal.com. If you have a friend that's either had a baby or surgery or is going through chemotherapy and you think they could use some meals, and you have a group of friends or church or coworkers that want to help. And so as a coordinator, you can just make a simple calendar. You pick the dates where our meals would be helpful. 
And then you can invite people to come sign up on the calendar for the day they want to take a meal. And yeah. it's been really neat to see, I think, because it goes directly to people while they're, you know, engaging on their computers, that the schedules fill up so quickly. Yeah. It's not like they just sit there, but it's just, it's easy to know what the need is. And you can tell that people are really eager to meet the need when they know of one. Right. And I think that's such a good point is you've tapped into the fact that people want to help, yes, but they don't know how. Mm -hmm. And it's awkward to ask. And then on the other end, for the person receiving the help, and like I mentioned to you, you know, I spent over 80 nights in the hospital personally with my pregnancies. And then my kids were there just as long. And when you're the person who's in the midst of crisis, sometimes it's just, it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, we'll just go to McDonald's or yeah. we can just get by because to coordinate, like you said, I mean, you're on the phone, you're texting. And <laughs> anytime I had stress, I went into labor. So that wasn't good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like literally they <laughs> they roll me back down the hall to the labor and delivery and then, you know, somehow managed to get it back under control and roll me back down the hall again. I never got out of my bed. I was just rolled up and down the hallways. and. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing from someone who, you know, has been in need, um, and this is tricky to say, but it's just true. You know, when you're in a time of great struggle, you are tired and you're scared and you're anxious and it's harder to be gracious to people than it is at other times. And one thing that I love about take them a meal is that just that little space that gives instructions. So you can say things like, well, let me move it up to a more recent testimonial. So the reason that I thought to reach out to you is um, my sister-in-law just had a baby and I brought her a meal. And while I was there, you know, somebody else came by with a meal and I said to her, do you want me to coordinate something? And she was like, no, 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 it's fine. And then that evening, because like your friends, my sister-in-law, and my brother-in-law, or they have a lot of people who love them, but they're their feet are in a lot of different camps. And so um, it's not as easy as just coordinating one community, you know? And so she texted me and said, Aki, that's my brother-in-law, is just receiving all these different texts. Could you set something up? Because then he can just send the link out to others. Well, Mm -hmm. so what's nice about these instructions is that when you're the person in need, it feels a little rude to say, please don't include dairy. Beggars can't be choosers, right? Somebody's doing something nice for you. You hate to put parameters on it. Or, you know, in the case of my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they have really young kids. They eat dinner really early. And it feels a little rude to say, um, please get your meal here by 4.30 or 5. But when I, as the coordinator, say this is something that would make it extra easier for them, it kind of takes the burden off the person in crisis you know, and it puts it on the person coordinating. And I just, it's just such a helpful thing. And when I bring meals to other families and at our church, like at yours, they often use take them a meal. It's nice to know there's so many different things you can put in the instructions. It's nice to know that they would rather have smaller portions or Mm -hmm. there's going to be extra people in the house, you know, because there's a spot on your website where you can put how many people it will be feeding. And, you know, a lot of times people come in to help the family in crisis and you want to be able to feed those people too, you know, or sometimes it's a really small family and it's nice to know a huge lasagna 
honestly, you just can't eat lasagna as delicious it is, as it is for five days in a row. You want it split up into three different portions and freeze two of them, you know? And it's just, yeah. I, I feel like it's simple, like you said, and it's elegant, but there's just enough detail that people can include to make it so helpful and to just massively, massively lessen the burden on the family that's already devoting all of their resources to just getting better or surviving the newborn phase (laughs) or (laughs) grieving or whatever it is. Um, So it's just, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful thing for everyone all around. It's definitely when you take a meal to someone, it is love, but there's also some work involved in it. There is. You want it to be something they can enjoy. You don't want to take pasta if they can't have gluten or really want it to be like able to nourish them. And so that's why we include some of the things like the food allergies and the preferences, just because we... I think that the person taking the meal really wants to know those things. And it doesn't mean someone's picky or they're not grateful. It's they have a need and this is the way that you can best meet it. And I also often think of recipients and people are hesitant to accept the offer of meals sometimes Mm -hmm. because they think, well, I just had a baby, other people are suffering more than I am, or, you know, they'll, they'll think that they don't want to put other people out, but it truly is a gift to, we're all going to have points in our life where we Mm -hmm. have need. And it's really good to admit to each other that we do have a need (laughs) and we have times when we're weak and we need help. And Mm -hmm. you're giving the um, meal provider a gift when you say, yes, you can bring me a meal because Mm -hmm they feel good about being able to do that for you. Mm-hmm. And it does genuinely help. And so that's the part of the site that I feel like has gone really well in that having that coordinator, the person close mm-hmm. to the recipient is kind of an intermediary, like you said, that mm-hmm. can do the asking and and let people know what the need is. And then the recipient's part is allowing the need to be met. and. Right. Um, not feeling like they're strings, but just really knowing that the time will come for most people when they can be the one taking the meal. Right. And that that's what we can do for each other. Right. Yes. It's so true. It's so true. And I think another thing that's so wonderful about seeing what everyone is doing is again, you don't repeat, but also, and we talk about this perhaps a little bit at the end, but I think the hardest part of bringing a meal is coordinating when and where, especially when there's geographical spread. And so when you have a whole calendar and you see it, you can kind of coordinate it's easier to say yes. I think when you have control over your yes, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And really can pick a time that works well for you too, because that's important. I think in the past I made the mistake of when I knew there was a need, I would try to fit it in whether it worked well with our family schedule or not. And sometimes, honestly, we wound up eating frozen pizza and I took this meal to someone else because I was kind of rushing and felt like I needed to get that. And the calendar kind of helps with planning better. Right. It's really interesting. The one piece I didn't ask Scott for is the column of what I plan to bring. Mm. He just thought that would be helpful. And boy, that has been really great because 
it lets you see, oh, they've had chicken two times. I'm going to bring beef or, um, and it's just funny that we didn't even really, I didn't intentionally say, oh, this would be helpful. And it (laughs) turned out to be something that he just added in and really is one of the most beneficial pieces on there. I really think it is. And honestly, just for inspiration also, because sometimes I look at what somebody brings and I think, oh, I've never, cause we all know putting together meals to bring to people in need is a little bit of an art in and of itself. It's not the same as putting together a meal for your own family in your home, or even putting together a dinner party. It's a very different type of food sometimes. And it, is, you know, a a skill in and of itself. And so I see other people's and I think, oh, now that's a good idea. I'm going to file that away for the next time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. what? That's interesting. We should go through and just pull that column out of all the schedules and just kind of see, all right, what are people taking? What's popular? That would be interesting. Oh my word. Yeah. You could do a whole series on meals, you know, meals we hadn't thought of that are perfect or something. Right. Right now and then, if um, someone that works for us is helping someone with a schedule and they see a really neat idea, they'll send it out. Like, check out what this person's taking or what they did. Um, But yeah, we haven't done that as a regular habit. We should. That would be really helpful. Yes, I think it would be so interesting. Well, let's talk about this. I really am so curious about the growth. The first thing I want people to know as we kind of embark on this part of the conversation is that Take Them a Meal is completely free. It always has been free. And so as we talk about your growth and adding to your team, I'm curious about this from kind of a business perspective and also how you've kept it free. So that's kind of where we're going for listeners. I want them to know that part of this. So first of all, tell me a little bit about... You said you and Scott went to church together and you just kind of knew he was writing websites. Were you guys good friends before each of this? And did you become good friends after it started? And how do you split the work between you two? Oh, sure. I was friends more of with Scott's wife, um, Mm. but I knew of what he did. He was friendly and friends with my husband. And so I knew he was a safe person to ask and Mm. When he first created it, it was not something then that we daily interacted about. We just, I used it for my friend. And then not long after a girl from church um, or a woman from church was diagnosed with breast cancer and they, her friend asked if she could use the site for her. And we said, well, sure. That's, you know, that was kind of what Scott had in mind when he made it so multiple people could use it. And then very quickly, someone from our church moved to Florida mm-hmm. and started using the site there. And just, we realized it was spreading, but we weren't yeah. really paying attention to it. And about three years in, Scott said, Adina, I'm getting a lot of emails with people with questions about using the website all of a sudden. And he started to look at the numbers and over time, there was just a trajectory of increase in growth. And he said, we might want to start answering some of these emails. And so <laughs> I said, well, I can do that. So from home with my kids, I so started to- Let me just get the timeline straight. Yeah. So you started it 13 years ago. So this was 10 yeah. years ago that you started yeah. to see this. And do you remember how many people were using it about a decade ago? Oh, maybe just a few thousand. Just a few thousand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And- what we built up to right before COVID hit, I would say about 50,000 people were wow. using it a day. 
A day. Um, yes. And so it really did. It took off in a way we never anticipated from wow. that point forward. Wow. And I think it's kind of, we didn't invest in marketing. It kind of markets itself just it because does. when you're invited to a meal schedule, then you become aware of the site. And then I think it kind of sticks in your mind as something you might use later to help Absolutely. a friend. Yeah. And marketing hasn't really been part of what we've done is interesting. We were committed to not going into debt for the website. We thought, mm -hmm. you know, we'll just see what it does. And Scott had the skills to maintain the tech side. And I did the more customer service personal mm -hmm. side of it. And we just went on like that for a few years. And we started getting contacted by churches and individuals who wanted to give us money. <laughs> we said, wow. Well, why do you want to contribute? And they said, we're so afraid your site's going to go away. Wow. We want to support you. Wow. And so <laughs> we looked into becoming a nonprofit because we mm -hmm. actually thought that would be the way to go, but we don't technically qualify because mm. a recipient doesn't necessarily need the meal in the financial definition that the government would give for interesting needing a meal. So huh. that turned out not to be an option. But so we were upfront with people and said, sure, we will we'll put your contribution toward the cost of running the site. And it was neat. We always got what we needed to keep things going. Not a lot of extra, but we got what we needed. And so So when you say that, when you when you say that, because this can mean two different things, right? People can meet, say that and mean we got enough to cover, you know, our hosting and <laughs> things like that. And then, and but all of our time is volunteer. Yes. Or people can say we got enough so that we could continue to make a living doing this. Which do you mean? Yes. For the, that period of time, it was still just covering the cost of running the site. And Scott and I were volunteering our time. All hours. So how many hours? have you been volunteering per week for the last 10 years? Well, we did switch over. That was kind of the early model with mm -hmm. how the site was funded. Eventually we were approached by some advertisers. There was a period of time a few years ago where online advertising was kind of at its peak and mm. there were a few companies that were interested. We didn't do that regularly because yeah. We feel like, just like we've mentioned new babies, but a lot of people using the site are grieving and yeah. we just never wanted to put anything on there that might unintentionally hurt somebody, mm. um, whether it's child loss and we would put, you know, some, an ad for something related to children. And we just yeah. did not feel good about that because we feel like there was a vulnerability there that we didn't want to take advantage of, but we did now and then that. hear from a company that seemed like a great fit. And one was mm -hmm. a paper products company one time that um, made things that would easily transport food in. It's a common mm -hmm. brand that we would have in our houses. And we said, well, sure. So then we kind of switched from the donation model to we allowed advertisers occasionally when it was a really good fit. Mm -hmm. And then in that window, when we were having advertisers, we started to hear from out-of-town family. That was kind of the first time this came to us as an idea, but saying, 
my daughter-in-law just had a baby, but she lives out of state, but I really want to send her a meal. Do you have a meal I could send to somebody? Huh. And I thought, oh, we're not doing that. So that has not always been a part of what we offer. Now we have the store where you can ship a meal, but that mm-hmm. hasn't always been part of the site. So we had a local cafe that we really liked that made homemade soups. And we thought, well, I wonder if they could freeze their soups and ship them. And they had great bread and cookies. So we thought we could put a little meal together (laughs) and we just did it as a test. Well, it took off. People really like that as an option. Again, most people cook the meal in their kitchen, you know, and take it to their friend, but there is a subgroup of people that either out of convenience or because of just not living geographically near the recipient want to send the meal. Mm -hmm. And so that has been kind of our final landing place of Scott and I now make a salary and we are able to have employees because we sell enough meals through the store that it supports all the costs of the site and it pays for the team. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's incredible. (laughs) But I want to emphasize that was never your plan. You went into this to serve others. And I do want to just return to that question for many years. Tell me how many you were working many hours. Tell me how many per week for free. Oh yes. I was probably working kind of like a part-time job. So 15 to 20 hours a week. Right. um, We're not making anything. And I'd say, I think it's only the past five years that he and I Scott and I have made a salary. We had employees before that point in time, but we didn't, he has a a day job and I wanted to primarily be able to be with my children. So we brought people on as we could to help take on the workload. Right. That time with our families was more important than the money. Right, 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 right. So for five years, you were working 15 to 20 hours a week you know, voluntarily, you felt that this was yeah. your calling. This was, there your are mission. no overnight successes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing. <laughs> not, um, I think not when you truly are in it for other people. Yeah. I think yeah. being in it for other people has become a, <laughs> a, this is the cynicism in me being in it for other people has become another marketing technique. Um, yes. Yes. and when you really are in it for other people, it's going to, it, it's going to show just mm-hmm. like it showed for you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And when you brought employees on, were you able to give them a salary or did they do it voluntarily as well? Did they feel the sense of mission? No, we started, um, well, we were very careful with who we chose. Of course. We kind of hand selected people mm-hmm. as we had needs come up based on, who we thought would be a really good fit. Because like I was saying earlier, we, when someone is having trouble, like doing something with the website, even though it's very straightforward, you can kind of tell that they're under the stress of a difficult situation, you know, and not always thinking as clearly as they would. And so not only are, are you helping them with customer service, there's a lot of a counseling piece in there that we didn't really anticipate. And I kind of learned that from my years of doing the customer service, that you really need someone who's not just a problem solver in that role, but that is also very empathetic and can, can help 
because people are really letting you into very intimate parts of their life, whether you're talking to the recipient or even the coordinator, you know, as a friend of someone that's suffering, that's a hard role to be in too. Mm. And so anyway, we, when we bring people on, we want to make sure it's a really good fit that way. And so Mm. we've just done it one at a time. And yes, we do. They work from home Mm -hmm. and they all love that. Of course. (laughs) um, Yes. We pay them for their work. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you were willing to hire and pay other people before you paid yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just really want to emphasize this. (laughs) I really do. And Scott and I have said, before. And I think I said it earlier, first of all, it would have been worth it if it was just for my friend, Rachel, do you know, or just for our Mm -hmm. church, like we would have done it. And Mm -hmm. if it had never been come to the point where he and I could be compensated for our time, we would still have done it. Um, It really is. We will say to each other within our families, it gives us a glimpse into all the good that's happening in our country every day. Like we get to see, he used to generate this map that showed a little heart for every spot that a meal was being taken that day because of our website. And it just, yes, I loved that. I loved it. Um, Wow. That's so powerful. Yes. It's like the antidote to the news. It really, that is, (laughs) that's the best way I've heard it described. Yes, it is. Because even when it's the worst news day, we know that thousands of meals were signed up for that day and are being taken. And yes, that's so powerful. I'm actually a little like I got some tears in my eyes right now. That's just so powerful. Even when it's the worst news day, you know that people are being taken care of individually. What what an incredibly satisfying and gratifying experience for you. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) No, I, I am so grateful. Like I couldn't have made the opportunity for myself. So it does feel like a gift. Mm. So I want to talk about this as well. So I'm curious about your partnership with Scott, because I do know that to work together with one person, it's a bonding experience and it is a very satisfying relationship, but you know, there's complications there. There's blessing. And I think there's more satisfaction when you pursue something with someone else, but Mm -hmm. there's also complications and there's additional complications when you have whole families there. It's not like you were two single people or even a married couple, you know, you had your husband, he had his wife, you both had your children, you had your separate needs, you had your separate jobs, you had your separate callings. How has that been to work together in a partnership for 13 years? Um, And kind of an unusual partnership, I would say as well. How have you made that work? Yes. The interesting thing is it's always worked and it's always been something that I've seen as really positive. Mm -hmm. Um, Scott is married. He has a really good marriage. Like you said, I adore my husband. (laughs) We have a good marriage and that definitely for Scott and I, or our priorities were our families, but it's interesting because he and I are very similar people personality wise, although our skill sets on the site are a little bit different. (laughs) We laugh because in many ways we've lived, we call it parallel lives. We're both from Maryland. We both 
going to college in Virginia. Uh-huh. And our kids are similar ages and we went through some hard things too at the same time when his mother was dying of cancer. My father was passing away from cancer. And so we kind of walked through that difficult thing together. And I think that that connected us even further and just had more of an understanding and compassion for each other. Mm. And then kind of looking at what life looks like that after you lose a parent and walking through that. And I teased when my mom was going to get remarried that I guess his dad would be getting remarried soon. And (laughs) wouldn't you know it? (laughs) Uh, But um, my son is applying to college right now, my oldest, and he had to write an essay about someone from the community that he admires. Mm -hmm. And he came to me and said, mom, would it be okay? I wrote an essay about Scott Rogers. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, can I read it? And it was just, he just characterized him so well. He's Mm. just a man of integrity. He's very easygoing. He has great ideas. He's a really good problem solver as evidenced by take them a meal. (laughs) Perfect potluck. He really comes up with like simple solutions. And it's been really a privilege to kind of get to see his brain work all these years. And um, I will go to him even with other things personal um, mm. in our life, even as much as we need to put a patio out back. What what design would you do? <laughs> I just really respect his opinion. Mm. So I think we have a mutual respect for each other. And another similarity is we both have, although we we didn't land our careers here, we both have a background in psychology mm. and counseling. And I think that that really helps us to communicate well with each other. Yeah. What I'm curious about with you personally, right, is that, you know, most people who come on this podcast really love food. And for many of them, it's a deeply, deeply personal expression. You know, it speaks to culture, it speaks to history, it speaks to love, the love of people near them. It's almost a spiritual thing for many people. And I would include myself in that, that I think that food and cooking is, it is spiritual. It makes me closer to God. Mm -hmm. There are many people that I know and love who feel no such way about cooking. It is a mundane and tiresome and tedious task that just has to be done. And the quicker they do it, the better the better. And those people still make meals for other families. It's more of a labor of love perhaps for them. And so I'm curious about you because just because you run a website that's about bringing meals to other people doesn't mean you love to cook at all. (laughs) It just means that you recognize the value in somebody having a hot meal. So tell me a little bit, did you grow up cooking? Do you like to cook? Tell me a little bit about cooking and you personally. I think I kind of fall in the middle. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up cooking. My mom did in cook meals for our family. I would say it was just kind of basic, you know, American diet. And mm-hmm. I was busy with school and I didn't really take the time to, to learn what she was doing. And I didn't really start cooking for myself until 
a little in college and then some after college. There are two categories for me. Like necessity cooking isn't quite as fun for me. Like having mm-hmm. to make sure there's dinner every night. You know, mm-hmm. what is that going to be thinking that through? Sometimes that can get a little dull for me. And I think, you know, what's the quickest way, you know, I can get everybody's stomach full. Yeah. yeah. But taking meals can sometimes fall into a different category for me of enjoyment in that I really like knowing that it's going to nourish my friend Mm -hmm. or the person that really needs the food. And especially if it's a difficult situation, sometimes that process of making the food can be therapeutic for me, like, Mm. you know, stirring the pot of soup and, you know, getting it ready for them, that can be really calming and Mm. help me process the situation. And Mm. so it's not so much the cooking that I love when I'm taking Mm -hmm. the meal, but I do like expressing my care for other people Mm. and helping them. And so then that kind of brings the joy to it for me. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, I don't know if you're familiar with that book, the five love languages, but yours must be acts of service. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. It just I must be that book. <laughs> yeah, and and so cooking as an act of service is gratifying to you, although cooking itself, apart from that, isn't necessarily. Yes. That's yeah, so and I think probably as moms that you know have multiple children eating. I don't think every day can be your favorite cooking day. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) no. Even for me. And I do truly love to cook. It's like, okay, well, that's enough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I do love making something that I know someone else will love or, you know, that's their favorite or they're looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not someone that goes looking for new recipes all the time, or especially for our day to day, I more of like have a month long plan of foods that everyone likes. And I just kind of rotate through that just Mm. so that can be something that's done and done well, but I, so that my time can be used on other things. Yeah. Yeah. I've implemented that at times because it is so much quicker and more efficient, but then the, There's some part of me that just wants to keep trying new things. I can't help it. <laughs> and then that just comes out and throws the whole plan off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that amazing at sticking with plans anyway. So. <laughs> so, but speaking of that, I do think that we can agree that making meals for others is, we know it needs to be done and it is it is gratifying to help someone in a practical way when we know that they need something, but it's also hard. It really is. And for me personally, I mentioned earlier, getting the food to them and you know, packaging it up, putting it in the right size portions, making sure nothing leaks, bagging it up, bringing it to them. That's the part that always kind of makes me tired. The cooking is no problem. What tips do you have for people like me and also for people who really don't like to cook? What tips do you have for people so that they can, they can do something they want to do, which is to help others. But again, like you said, do it in a way that is not burdensome or toilsome. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you, when you use your cafe. About, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I will say that that really is so close to homemade. We were really careful when we picked who that would be. And even this week, I was talking to the owner about local farmers and sources for the food. And so we didn't want it to be food that would be processed or different than would, would come from someone's kitchen. So wow. I do. I do really love the food. Um, can, so. can you say the name of the cafe so we can sure, share them too? A, a Bowl of Good Cafe. Okay. And it's in our town. We actually, it was a favorite place where we would go to eat even before that was a solution for our web store. Wonderful. And so, yeah. And they're really good with working with allergies and um, they've had a lot of fun coming up with meals. It's It has taken off so much that they run the cafe out of the front of the building they're in, but we have a shipping facility behind their cafe now where we have multiple freezers and FedEx picks up every day meals to go out all over the country. That's amazing. Did you guys just figure out on the fly how to do that? I mean, that's 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 a massive business undertaking. Yeah, it was gradual because the orders didn't, we were so nervous that day we flipped on the web store. Like we had no idea what was going to happen, yeah. but it was gradual over time that the store picked up. And it's been interesting. We thought during COVID sending a meal would be more like a luxury, you know, just because people are losing their jobs and, you know, things are harder now. And interestingly enough, people are preferring to send meals now. And yeah. so our orders have gone up even higher since people were home due yeah. to coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't feel safe receiving meals from kitchens. Yeah. 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 Oh, so backing so, up. Yeah. To back question, to tips. <laughs> we can cut when, that and put it in another one story part. I'd love to tell is when I was helping coordinate meals all those years ago for my friend, Rachel, mm-hmm. and she was still in the ICU and I had a one-year-old at the time and it just was, my heart was heavy. And truthfully, I wanted to be with her too. Mm. So that's where Scott was trying to help come up with a solution where I wasn't going to be on the phone all the time, but I actually could be freed up to go to the hospital. Mm. And the website really does allow that. But I remember a great point. my husband had been out for the day. I had been trying to coordinate things. This was before the site and just on the phone. And a friend showed up at my door. She's like, I didn't have time to get anything, but I picked up this rotisserie chicken for you. And she brought it in. (laughs) And when my husband got home from work, you would have thought he hit the jackpot when he Mm. opened the fridge and saw a rotisserie chicken (laughs) in there. And it's such a good reminder for me that it doesn't have to be like Mm -hmm. this gourmet meal, you know, that meets someone's need in the moment. It can be as simple as the chicken. So for people that don't like to cook, I really think one carryout's always a good option. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pressed last week, a friend had a last minute emergency, but I really wanted to help with dinner. They're gluten-free, dairy-free. So I knew I needed to, I didn't have what I needed here to get mm-hmm. them the meal. So I wound up I made dessert for them because I could do that with stuff I had, but I actually got them carry out. I brought Mm -hmm. it to the house. I repackaged everything all together and I dropped it off. And she called and she's like, we love that meal. We hadn't eaten at that restaurant before. And they were just thrilled. And so I didn't cook it, but was it just as appreciated and meaningful? Yes. So I don't think you need to put that pressure on yourself Mm -hmm. if you're not a cook. 
It's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you ways. said that. <laughs> yep. And you're supporting small business at the same time. Yes. Or large business, depending. Yeah. And that's okay too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so for me, as far as I get that, I still get a little nervous. Like on Monday, I had to take a meal to a friend that she is starting to take care of her mother-in-law in her home. And so we set up a two-week meal schedule for her because that's going to be a big transition. You know, she has someone else to care for and we thought she could use some meals. And so even when it was time to head out the door, I was a little late. I was supposed to be there at six. I got there at six or five. I still get that nervous feeling of, do I have everything? And so I think that's always going to be there. And I like to take a hot meal when I can like walk in with it so they can kind of just sit down. Mm -hmm. But if it really is something that you don't like, that just is too much for you. I highly recommend freezer meals and you can do them in a few ways. One, you freeze it, but then you bake it and Mm -hmm. take it to the person, but you don't have all the prep work that day of Mm -hmm. taking the meal. You know, you just pulled it out of the oven and you take it. The other option is take your friend, the freezer meal, then just take it to them anytime before your date, you signed up on the schedule and just have some good instructions on it of, okay, on the day of my meal, you know, get this out on the counter for an hour and then put it in the oven for this long. Yeah. And that's really stress-free because your window of when you can deliver it is flexible. And sometimes for the recipient, that's really nice too. Because yeah. dinner time might not be the best time to have someone drop by. Well, exactly. Yeah. It might be the time that you are collapsing from whatever you went through for the day and you don't need to pull yourself together, you know, to kind of have polite conversation with someone. Yeah. I think the importance of freezer meals cannot be underestimated. And I also think for someone who's receiving a lot of meals, the beauty of a freezer meal is that you can pull something else out when you're ready for something new and fresh. And especially for families that aren't that large, you know, and can't eat a whole casserole in a night or whatever. So to take something and split it into kind of two, one dinner size portions, I think can be really helpful or a dinner size portion. And one you can take out to bring to lunch and freezer meals, give people a lot of a lot of flexibility with how they're going to use your gift in a way that, you know, suits them best. I agree. And related to that too, one way to make it less hectic for you, if you are making the meal is make something that is a larger quantity that you can split between the person you're taking it to and your own family. A hundred percent. Yeah. Or even to freeze yourself, because if you know, there's another date coming up, like you said. Yeah. So how often do you feel like you cook for others at this phase of your life? I'd say I probably max out at three to four meals a month. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's one a week. That's a, I would say a significant pace to bring meals to others. But I'm, I think I come to mind for people because of running the site. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I also like to, we do, we like to, um, when we can to separate from me cooking in my own kitchen, we like to donate meals from Mm -hmm. our store a lot. And so Mm -hmm. We'll do that. We always have the team looking out for needs that they hear of where someone already has a meal schedule, but boy, wouldn't another meal be nice. And so we also like to send meals to families when we can. And so we'll do that several times a month as well. Mm -hmm. 
I see. So are you guys part owners in the store now, or do they still own it? And you just buy meals and put a premium on to cover, to cover the costs of the site. We have a partnership I see, and we work with them. And so they fulfill the meal orders for us. And then we buy them from the cafe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it works. I understand. Got it. Yes. Got it. And it's been great because we've hit the threshold of sales that FedEx will be able to, and this we've been able to do this now for a year or two, but can fly our meals to the West Coast from Virginia wow. and get there in time that the meal can still be frozen and then used by the family. That's so that's incredible. been really nice. Yeah. So when you say in time, how long does it take to fly a meal from Virginia to the West Coast? Our meals are stable and can stay frozen for three days. And so, wow. yeah, they can get a meal from Virginia to someone's house in California in three days. It's amazing. Yes. That's so great. That's so <laughs> great. That is just amazing. And do you know, I didn't even know about that option. Yes. You should look through. It's it's really been a neat addition. And some of the things we just sell on their own now because we've gotten such good feedback. People love the bread that a bowl of good makes. They make a nine grain bread that's fabulous. And so people will often say, you know, this was the only thing that my, you know, father could eat or wanted to eat. Could we have more bread? And so in those cases, usually we'll just send them a box of bread as a gift, but we wow. started offering the bread just by itself, you know, a big box of bread in the store. So people can order that. And they're also well-known for their monster cookies. So <laughs> that dough is available in the store too, which is um, fun thing to so, send to our family. So, yes, yeah. that's so good to know about. That's just great to know about. Oh man, that's wonderful. Adina, this just makes me, it just makes me so happy. It just makes me so happy. So tell me a little bit, just switching gears about this basalmic chicken recipe that you gave me, which I have not tried yet, but I will. So tell me why you chose this one and why it works well to take to others. And also tell me a little bit about your grandfather and the memory of him making mashed potatoes. Cause that was oh, so yeah. sweet. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that too. Okay. The um, uh, Balsamic chicken. The reason I like that is it's a good staple to kind of have because it suits so many dietary restrictions, but you would never know it to eat it. Like it's just as simple as roasted chicken, you know, but it just has mm-hmm. this added layer of flavor and complexity that makes the effort seem like it was there a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> it's so easy around lunchtime, I just know if I'm taking a meal that night, I just put it in the crock pot. It's easy to double it for my family. Mm -hmm. And it's just naturally gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free. So any of those restrictions for a family, I can still take it. Mm -hmm. And then it can be served over rice or couscous or quinoa, like whatever your favorite grain is you Mm -hmm. have. I don't put it over pasta just because it tends it tends to be a little bit too dry, but you could probably mm-hmm. do it over like an angel hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would be okay. Mm-hmm. I prefer to put it over mashed potatoes. That's what my family really mm-hmm. likes. Mashed potatoes are my number one comfort food. <laughs> yes. And that's what uh, for taking to someone, I always like to have something that is yes. going to kind of feel that way for yes. the person. Mm-hmm. And they're, 
mashed potatoes aren't hard to make, but they just take a little bit of effort because mm-hmm. you have to peel and you have to mash them. And so that's not something they're probably going to be doing for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to feel like you can give them that. And especially if someone is ill or recovering, it's, they go down really easily. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. Potatoes are underrated in terms of their nutritional value. They are highly nutritious and very satiating. Well, good. That makes me feel even better. (laughs) I do get organic ones when I can, and usually they're available here. And so just with them being in the ground and soaking everything up, especially if I'm taking them to someone, I want them to be as high quality. So Mm, I'm I'm glad to hear from you that they're more nutritious than I anticipated. (laughs) They're highly, highly nutritious, but I won't go into that soapbox. (laughs) Um, Then Mm -hmm. I remember, like I said, cooking wasn't a big focus of my Mm -hmm. family, but I do remember when my grandparents, my mom's parents would gather us like for Thanksgiving or another event. They're also in Maryland I remember walking in almost every year to Thanksgiving and my grandfather's back would be to Mm -hmm. us at the mixer, making the mashed potatoes at the last minute to Mm -hmm. put them on the table. And he always used Yukon gold for his mashed potatoes. And so I continue to do that now. They are the fluffiest. I used to use red potatoes. And then one time I used Yukon gold and I thought, what have I been doing with these red potatoes all along? They even have naturally on their own kind of a buttery taste. They do. You don't have to add as much. And one tip. So if I'm taking them for a family without any dietary restrictions, I'll get milk to put in for Mm -hmm. them and butter and Mm -hmm. salt. And really that's all I do. Yeah. If I'm making them for a family that needs to be dairy free, you Mm -hmm. can actually make really good mashed potatoes with chicken broth and original or unsweetened almond milk will work. Mm. Chicken broth is a wonderful idea to add some flavor. I've never done that. That's genius. Yes. And so that's a good thing to kind of have in your back pocket if you would need to, or if if someone's just like a a nursing mom is trying to Mm. limit her dairy. Right. Right. Add those things in instead, and maybe even just put a tiny bit of butter or a tiny bit of milk, but use the chicken broth or the almond milk. That's brilliant. I love it. And I love that picture. I can just, I have an image of a grandfather. I guess I'm imagining mine with his back to you. Isn't that remarkable that you have that image in your mind? You remember it exactly like that. Yes. Yes. And just realizing now they do have to be made at the last minute. So as Mm -hmm. your guests are coming, you know, that's the thing you're doing. Or when Monday, when I was taking the meal to my friend and I took her balsamic chicken with (laughs) mashed that was the thing I was doing at 545, you know, Mm -hmm. the last thing to kind of package up and then take to her. Mm -hmm. And I did want to circle back to the packaging part because you asked. Please, yes, please do. is such a helpful thing. When you're picking what you're going to take to someone at that very moment, when you're picking, think through what containers you want to use, either what you have on hand or what you want to take. Like you said, not every recipe is a good recipe to take to someone. And it's usually for that reason, either it's best served right away hot, Mm -hmm. or it just has a little bit too much liquid to be transported easily. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. other than like a soup, you know, that you could put in a glass jar with a lid. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a casserole that's more juicy, or that might not be a good pick for taking to someone. Mm-hmm. The thing I like about the balsamic chicken is you can put it in a foil pan with a mm-hmm. lid. You yeah. Can it's you can put a little juice with it but it's not going to be um something that's going to spill in your car mm-hmm. and it transports really easily i also same thing with the mashed potatoes i like to put them in foil foil is always my preference just because people can reheat foil yes. Yes. in the oven or keep it warm like if they're not ready for dinner just slide it in you know on 200 and hold it there till they're ready to eat yes oh, i God. agree don't like to put hot food in plastic as yes. a general rule. And so I just foils a great option for that. Well, I I have this kind of strong, strong belief that the last thing a grieving person or a person in crisis needs is to keep track of other people's containers. Yes. So I feel strongly that when I bring someone a meal, it's in completely reusable or disposable containers that I do not want or expect back. And so I, you know, Costco has those half sheet foil pans and I always have a stack of those in my pantry because (laughs) you do too. (laughs) The premier item for taking meals in my it, it it really is. And even because I, I do bring soups a lot because they are so easy to partition and freeze. Like I said, like you can use one, one night and then freeze for the next. And what I do is I put it in a Ziploc and then just lay the Ziploc. You know, I make sure that it's sealed really well. And then just in case I lay the Ziploc in a foil pan so that if it does leak at all, it's caught in there. Oh, yeah. So I think that those are really good tips. I really appreciate that. I guess, I guess we're wrapping up here, although I don't want to get off the phone. <laughs> I enjoy chatting I really with you so much. This. Yeah. <laughs> me too. But I just want to say again, I think that you have really encouraged me personally to remember that if you really feel like you are called to do something to serve other people, then there's nothing wrong with not trying to make it profitable right away. And things will grow in their own time you know, as God permits, if that's what they are meant to do, there's no, there's no use getting, I guess, just getting so frazzled about it. And Mm -hmm. it's just been a beautiful, beautiful thing that you have reminded me of. And I deeply, deeply admire the fact that you really did do this as a mission. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that, Adina. And I really want to acknowledge the sacrifice that you and Scott and your families accepted, right? Because they could have said, hey, you're putting all this time in. We'd like to see some money coming our way. But your family supported you through this because they felt, I guess, it was part of your mission. And I just really want to acknowledge and express my appreciation for that because your site has truly helped me personally. So thank you. Personally, (laughs) thank you. Well, thank you. That that means a lot. I know that we were meant to do it because it never felt like work mm. along the way. It always felt like a privilege and brought a lot of joy to mm. me and to Scott that we were able to help people. And we often, well, daily get feedback from people about how the site has helped them. Mm. And even just that would help push us forward in knowing that it was a good work and that 
that was a good use of our time. Mm -hmm. And also felt like the opportunity had been given to us and that we were grateful for that. Yes. Thank you that you acknowledged the time that in the planning that went into it, we teased often we have a room behind our garage. And once our kids were asleep, Scott would come over and my husband would come back with us. And sometimes it would be three o'clock in the morning, you know, and we're designing a logo or, you know, moving things around on the site. And so it wasn't the primary time of our day. It was always extra time that we could find. And my kids still tease. They remember days where I would be in the bathroom with the door closed and they'd hear me say, and that's because that was the only quiet spot with the <laughs> kids running around. Make them a meal.com. This is Adina. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, but we made it work because, yes, we wanted it to be there for people and we're glad that it can be. Did you ever feel guilt or a conflict with your with your family and with the, I mean, obviously it was a lot of time. When it started to feel that way, we knew it was time to have somebody help us. Mm. I worked before we had our children and then I stayed home, Mm -hmm. but I feel very grateful. It's been very fulfilling to have something to do from home. And I wouldn't have told you that I needed that, Yeah. but given that I have it, I really appreciate that. Feel like I can use my schooling and yeah. some of my training, but also be very present with my kids, yeah. which is important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you used your empathy as well yeah. and your, your, your love language of serving others. <laughs> so <laughs> I just really, really do appreciate you. And, you know, I think of that verse that says, do not grow weary in doing good. And in the proper time, you will reap a harvest. And I feel like that is you. So you did not grow weary. Well, thank you, Becky. My pleasure. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to share? I don't know if when we were talking about tips, there doesn't need to be this. You don't have to impress people with your meal or put pressure on yourself to do something that is perfect, but that really just have this staple meal that you're really comfortable making that you know what containers you need. And just when you get invited to a meal schedule that kind of automatically, you know, Oh, I can do this one and just kind of take the thinking out of it for yourself and really let it be easy on you so that you can take advantage of those opportunities instead of feeling like, you have to come up with the perfect thing every time. That's a really good advice. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. If it works, do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that tip. That's really helpful. Well, thank you for sharing your story too. And like I said, it's very meaningful knowing that Mm -hmm. it helped you before I knew you. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. And just think that there's thousands, millions of people that that's the case for. So well done, Adina. And just tell everyone again, the name of the site. Oh, it's takethemameal.com. Thank you so much, Adina. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again to Adina for this really amazing episode and, of course, for all of her work on TakeThemAmeal.com. You can obviously head right over to their website, or I've included links to all three of their websites, TakeThemAmeal.com, SendThemAmeal, and Perfect Potluck in my show notes. Speaking of sending meals, I have a really exciting way that you can support the work of this podcast in amplifying the stories of my guests and the work of Meals on Wheels. Here is how. Podchaser is donating 25 cents to Meals on Wheels for every podcast and episode review left on Podchaser this month. The best part is they will double it whenever I respond to your review, which of course I would be honored to do. So the easiest thing for you to do is go to lovethepodcast.com. That's lovethepodcast.com slash the storied recipe. And Podchaser will show up as one of the ways that you can rate a review the podcast. Simply click on Podchaser, leave, of course, a five-star review or a five-star rating and a review. And you will, again, help the podcast and help Meals on Wheels. So again, you can go to lovethepodcast.com slash the storied recipe, choose Podchaser, and go ahead and leave a rating and review. I do want to thank my most recent reviewer for their very kind review. I don't know who this was, so I can't thank them by name. But if you're listening, I want you to know this means the world to me. He or she wrote, Becky and her podcast are an inspiration. The story that she tells amplify the voices of people across all walks of life and help us to connect with each other in these trying times. Becky, continue the good work and know that I look forward to your new episode every week. And I can honestly say I look forward to putting out these episodes every week. I'm not comfortable calling myself an inspiration, but I am honored and thrilled and overjoyed to share the inspiring stories of my guests like Adina every week. And I do believe and hope that these stories will help us all understand each other a little bit better, like this reviewer says. Speaking of that, in two weeks, we will welcome Adrian Miller, who is author of Soul Food Cooking, The President's Kitchen Cabinet, and Black Smoke. Adrian worked in the Clinton administration specifically on racial reconciliation projects. Um, So what he has to say is really interesting um, and helpful and encouraging on this front. Next week, we will have the Eva Cosmos Flores, a Greek-American who leads the food photography world in education and is also author of First We Eat and Adventures in Chicken. And in fact, the podcast is almost booked all the way through June with just incredible guests and diverse stories. And I do hope you subscribe right now to make sure you hear all of them. Yes, please hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with family and friends. Share it widely, please. And until next week, have a great week, my friends.